0: Freedom. Yeah, that's kind of my theme this morning, a little bit. Uh, communion was very appropriate to where I'm going with this. Um, maybe you don't realize what a pastor goes through sometimes to get the word from God as to what he should be speaking about in the congregation. And I struggled with this quite a while, um, not because it's a difficult topic, because, but because it's a strong topic. It's strong today, and uh, the work of a pastor, an apostle, an evangelist, pastor, teacher, all the offices of the church is to equip the saints. How many saints are here today? Good. I hope every hand goes up. If you think you're a sinner, then I'll talk to you after the service. But this is a topic that has really been heavy on my heart for quite some time. I have a title slide. The Lion Tamer. An alcoholic has the power not to take another drink until he takes another drink. A liar has the power to tell the truth until he lies. A religious person has power over sin until he sins. Well, what does sin do in a person's life? We talked a lot about it this morning already. Jesus paid the price yeah. for all sin. Yeah. Well, sin does the same thing in your life that the devil does. It steals and kills and destroys. It steals our joy. It kills our relationships. It destroys our example to others, our witness to others. And mankind has come up with all kinds of books and methods and counseling and seminars to help people confront and deal with sin. Even born again believers struggle with sin, even though they have been told they have power over sin. The truth is that freedom from sin is the gospel. That's right. Freedom from sin through the blood of Christ right. is the message that we get from God through Christ. Yeah. It's the only gospel answer for sin. That's right. It's the only gospel answer. Yeah. There's no other answer. Any other answer is no answer at all. Right. Here's one of Jesus' teaching on the role of sin in our lives. John 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, the people who believed in him are like us, right? We believe in him. Yeah. So he's talking to believers. He said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make or set you free. I like the word make. The truth makes you free. The truth works in you to make you free. But we're descendants of Abraham, they said. They said, we've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we'll be set free? Well, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins... Is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So all of you who are born again today are sons of God, whether you're male or female. You're all sons of God because you inherit the kingdom. So if the son sets you free, what? You're free. You're free indeed. I mean, you're really free, truly free. So, the context of this passage of Scripture is sin, deals with sin. Now, sometimes we think in church that's a heavy topic, but it's not. It's one it's, it's we should rejoice over our freedom from it. Right. Jesus clearly told the people that He alone, Jesus alone, provides freedom from the slavery of sin. You notice that Jesus didn't say the truth. Now, listen to this carefully. Jesus did not say, I came to give you power over sin. He didn't come to say that. He didn't do that. Jesus said the truth will make you free from sin. He said I came to give you freedom from sin. Yeah. A big difference from having power over sin and being free from sin. Yeah. Now, Consider this. There was a lion tamer who lived in his house with a wild, hungry lion. And a man like that knows how to keep the lion at bay with his whip and his chair. He was able to make the lion sit. He was able to make the lion uh, go back on his hind legs. He was able to make the lion back up. He was able to control the lion. You know, I was always wondered why lions were afraid of chairs. (laughs) I don't understand that. But apparently they are. Anyway. Whatever. But there's one thing this lion tamer can't do. Can you guess what that is? He can't take a nap, he can't stop taming the lion. Because the minute he does, the minute he rests, the minute he gets tired and sits down and, and on the chair that he's using to fight the lion, he becomes lunch. Yeah. So there's no rest for the lion tamer when he lives in that house. As long as that man lives in the house, he's gonna have no rest. And only when the lion is taken away and locked out, can he finally be set free from the lion. Well, this lion tamer skill represents every human effort to deal with sin, all of our human effort on the natural realm. Yeah. Many many people think that using some religious exercise or method or scripture formula will make us a lion tamer over sin. And may, we may learn spiritual warfare techniques that supposed to drive back Satan and keep us safe from his lies and from his temptations. Or maybe we should yell at the lion and threaten him. I, got, I found another video. Maybe we, He's yelling at the lion and threatening him with an umbrella. I don't think the lion's afraid of the umbrella. <laughs> so yelling at the lion and threatening him with an umbrella is not the way to deal with sin. It doesn't work. Some of these methods that we talk about may help until they don't. The day we become weary and let our guard down, we will become a victim of the lion. The good news, though, the good news, the gospel, is that Jesus has provided a better way, a better way. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, "'Come to me.'" We all know this scripture, but in the context today. He said, "'Come to me, all of you who are weary "'and carry heavy burdens.'" And I always wonder, what is, what is being weary and carry heavy burdens? Well, religion puts a heavy burden on you. You have to follow the rules. You've got to obey the Ten Commandments. You've got to obey all the rest of the rules. You've got to do this, do this, can't do that, can't do that. And pretty soon that becomes a heavy burden, and you get tired of trying to live up to all of this in your own strength. So Jesus said, when you feel weary and carry those heavy burdens and you just can't seem to make it, come to me. And he said, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, that means take my teaching, listen to me, hear from me, do what I say. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. I'm not gonna put this huge burden on you of all these 613 laws and rules that you gotta keep. My yoke is easy and the burden I give you is light. Not hard, not hard to follow me, he says. So, Jesus is not teaching us how to be lion tamers because he's already defeated the lion. The lion has been defeated. Christ didn't come to give us power over sin, he came to take away our sins. And John wrote this He said, You know, this is 1 John 3 5. I don't have it on the screen, but you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. And there is no sin in him. Jesus came to take away our sins. 1 yes. Peter 5 and verse 8 says, stay alert, though. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Is the devil still alive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is he still after us? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He prowls around It says, you're like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, looking for someone who will let their guard down. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. It's, faith is an issue. This is the faith thing. Stand strong in your faith. Remember, your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And in his grace, in his grace, God called you to share in his eternal glory. You have a share of his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, how many of you know what it means to suffer for a little while? He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. That firm foundation is called the solid rock. The solid rock, Jesus Christ himself is the solid rock. And then it goes on, all power to him forever. Amen. Jesus, remember, is not a lion tamer. He's a lion conqueror. Yeah. The Bible says he, here's what it says in, in Colossians 2. It says, he canceled. No, canceled. Now, how many of you have paid off your mortgage or paid off a car? And the, the, they stamp it, canceled, paid in full, right? Yeah. Here's what Jesus did. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away yeah. by nailing it to the cross. Wow. In this way, he disarmed, took the weapons away of the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly, awesome. shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Awesome. Man. That's good, man. So we believers, we can hear the lion roar, can't we? Yeah. Yeah. We can hear him saying, okay, this, you, you ought to try this. This is going to be great. Oh, you don't have to do that. Who says you had to do that? Come on. He tries to entice us into sinful behavior. But listen, he has no real power over us like he did before we were saved. That's right. Because before you were saved, you were a slave to sin. That's right. You had no choice. Yeah. Thank you. He set us free from the power of sin. He didn't come to give us power over it. He gave us his life And his nature, you have, if you're born again, you have the life of Christ within you. You have the nature of God. You no longer have a sinful nature. You have the life of Christ. You have his sinless nature. And that's a spiritual thing. It's a sinless nature. So we have real freedom. We have the same freedom Christ did. If Christ lives in us in the person of the Holy Spirit, as he does if we're truly born again, Then it is not in our hearts to sin. It's not in our hearts to sin. Our true heart, which is the heart of Christ, he gives us a new heart. And it's not in there to sin. The God of all grace, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth, is the one who restores and supports and strengthens us. He's the one who sets us on that firm foundation. Our old sin nature has been killed. This is where we need to come as believers. This is where I had to come to. My old sin nature is dead. It's dead. Our new nature does not sin. Wow. I don't know about that, Pastor. I don't know about that. Romans 6, watch this. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified, killed with Christ so that sin may lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. You died with Christ, and you were raised to new life in him. It's a new life. It's a new creation. It's new. It's all new. We can say the same thing that Paul said in Galatians 2.20. He said, my old self. Aren't you glad your old self is gone? I'm so glad my old self is gone. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I live this in, in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I think that many people in the church have, have, have rejected this simple perspective of sin. It's very simple. It's not complicated. One of my favorite verses is this. I, he, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he writes this. I fear... That somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve through his trickery, so your minds might be led astray from the simplicity that is in Christ. Church, it's simple. It has to be, or I couldn't get it. That's right. It has to be. When I see all the different perspectives, in the Christian community, the theological positions, the best-selling Christian books. It seems, as you look at all this, I looked up up books on Christian prayer, and I found over 10,000 books on Amazon. Church, it can't be that complicated. It can't be. We've traded the lion slayer for seminars and high-profile meetings and books on lion taming. It's not working. I've been a pastor for 30-some years, and I still see things like pornography, homosexuality, greed, false teaching, depression, suicide, adultery in the church. I see it there. It's there. And it seems to prosper, even though people have come up with all kinds of weapons and ideas and strategies to combat all this sin, and yet it's still There, because I believe people don't really believe that they are free from sin. Free from sin. The two sons of Adam, Cain and Abel, they brought sacrifices to the Lord. The Lord accepted Abel's sacrifice but rejected Cain's sacrifice. That's the whole message in itself. But Cain hated his brother for it. And God warned him, about the danger of trying to take revenge. God warned him. Now watch this. This is Old Covenant stuff. It says this, sin is crouching at the door. Can you see that lion? Yeah. Crouching at the door that's been locked against him. Yeah. 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 Eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. I believe that's still being taught in the church. Church, that you have to be the master of sin, that you have to subdue sin. But I tell you what, that's not for us in the new covenant. It's not for us. It's wasted energy because Christ has already subdued sin and Christ has already taken away its ability to master our lives. That's right. He's done it. Yeah. It's finished. Yeah. We have to be careful when we go back into the old covenant. That we see that old covenant through the law through the eyes of grace, God's grace. Things have changed yeah. in the new covenant. Yeah. It's different now, different. We've got a lot to learn about God in the Old Covenant, but we have to be careful when we read something like this. I read read that and I say, whoa, wait a minute, not for me now. Christ has done it. So the simplicity of the gospel is that the blood of Christ washes sin out of every person who believes the gospel and puts their trust and faith in him. He washes. Listen, he doesn't cover our sin. His blood does not cover our sin. His blood washes away our sin. Very clear in Scripture, very clear. The old covenant, blood covered sin. The new covenant, Christ's blood washes away sin. Whole different deal. I'd rather be part of that deal. Absolutely. So that's our true spiritual position in Christ. Washed away. Our sin's been washed away. We've been freed from sin. And we've got to come to that place where we we realize, I've not been called to be a line tamer. I need to put my trust in the finished work of Christ. He made us 100% righteous and 100% free. This is in the spiritual realm. But listen, you're sitting there saying, yeah, but. There's still conflict in our lives, isn't there? There's still conflict in our natural lives, in the natural realm, because we live in this flesh suit. We're going to live in it until we die. And it says in Galatians five seventeen, the flesh, my natural desire for pleasure and it's all about me, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. And these are in conflict with each other. And there's... Something that's never going to change. As long as you live, there's going to be a conflict. The flesh is going to say, I want this, I want this. And the spirit says, whoa, 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 whoa. Amen. No, no. It's the conflict's going on all the time. And, and in Romans 7, Paul even says, you know, I do what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I should do. And, and he loves the Lord and his flesh rises up and causes him to stumble a little bit. And he said, he said it's not me who's sinning, not my true identity in Christ, not me who's sinning. But it's sin in my flesh. It's a sin in my flesh that causes sin. And he gets, he gets really frustrated with this whole situation. And he says this at the end of Romans 7. He says in verse 24, Who will rescue me from this body of flesh that is subject to death? Thanks be to God. Who does what? Delivers. He delivers me. Yeah. He sets me free. He takes me out. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the way we overcome. Now, we're all going to struggle with the conflict, I know, but as Paul says, the answer is trusting in the freedom we have in Jesus Christ and not in some spiritual warfare system. We simply need to stand firm in the fact that we are free. We are free. I am free. And then we can be at rest in Christ. Right. Our enemy's been defeated. We stand in the victory that he has won. The world and the flesh have no power over us when we truly believe that we are victorious over them. That's right. It comes down to a faith deal. Yeah. You had to be saved by faith. And now we have victory over sin by faith. It's all there. Jesus said to the father with the demon-possessed child, he said, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him. Nothing is impossible with God. So if we sin, now wait a minute. uh, Well, John wrote that, didn't he? He said, if you should sin, right? If you should sin. He didn't say when you sin.'" If we say, when you sin, what are we saying? Yes. It's expected. Right. You're going to sin. But he didn't say that. He said, if you sin. He said, you were not created to sin. You, in your new creation, you were not created to sin. But if it should happen, if it should happen, we have a lawyer. We have an advocate named Jesus. And he defends us by his love and by his grace. And we are not guilty of sin as defined in the old covenant. We are not guilty. Jesus has declared us not guilty. We've not damaged our relationship with God if we should sin. He's not mad at us if we should sin. We do not have to make a sacrifice if we should sin. We don't have to get on our knees and crawl to God and ask him to forgive us if we should happen to sin. But we will experience something called the consequences of sin, right? Yeah. Sin has its consequences. You know, when we, when we make a mistake in sin or miss the mark or whatever we might do that we know is not pleasing to God, God doesn't have to do anything. The system takes care of it. There are consequences that we'll face. And in the natural realm, when we, make, when we do something wrong, we're going to feel guilty. We're going to feel, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have been there. Mm. But here's what the Holy Spirit does. Here's what, here's what godly discipline is. He doesn't whack us. The Holy Spirit begins to motivate us to repent, to change our minds about that behavior. I don't know, I may be the only one, but I've got something that keeps coming back, coming back, coming back. He doesn't motivate us to anything but repent and to change our minds about it. Change our minds. We say, okay, that is not part of my life anymore. I'm done with that. But God, I can't do it in my own strength, obviously, because I've done it so many times. I can't do it. I need you. I need to stand in the victory that Christ has won for me over this behavior, over this attitude, whatever it might be. And then he motivates us again to make things right. If we've hurt someone, if we've done something, we need to make it right. The Holy Spirit is motivating us to make it right. He, the, and then the Holy Spirit motivates us to avoid the same thing in the future. <clears throat> when the opportunity to get involved in whatever behavior that might be comes up, he shows us the error of it. doesn't convict us, but he shows us the error. He says, remember what we talked about earlier. He strengthens us. He restores us. He sets us on a firm foundation. And there's a really powerful scripture that deals with this whole thing about God remembering our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.19. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, no longer counting people's sins against them. God will never count your sins against you. What He does as a loving Father. He shows you the hurt that that sin is causing you and perhaps other people, and he leads you into a better place. God is a leader. He leads us into a better place. When we were in Israel, they talked a lot about shirp- <laughs> sheep herding, <laughs> not sherping, <laughs> sheep herding. And he said, now watch, watch what happens. The shepherd goes out in the field, and what does the sheep do? They follow him. Wherever he goes, they follow him. But if, he said, if the, the guide says, if you see a shepherd or a man driving sheep, pushing them behind them, he's taking them to slaughter. So the enemy is one who pushes us from behind. Yeah. He's leading us into big trouble. Yeah. But our shepherd leads us into greener pastures. Yeah. Our shepherd leads us into goodness and righteousness and truth. And that's that's who we need to follow. I used to think that I I would come to a crossroads and and this one road over here looked really good. It looked like a lot of fun, but I knew God really didn't want me to do that. And this other road was a road to righteous behavior, more righteous behavior. And I used to think that if I decided to take the wrong road, God would just wait at this intersection for me to come back and realize I had made a mistake. But you know that's not true. He goes right with me into that wrong road, and all the time he's saying, this is not the road you wanna be on. That's right. I'm gonna lead you back to the right road. Yeah. I'm gonna lead you back. That's, that's God's discipline. Yeah. He doesn't scold us, doesn't yell at us. He says, I'm going with you into this, but it's wrong and we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to take you in the right one because you're free from this That's behavior. Right. You're free from it. Don't let it control you. So the message, this message of God's amazing grace always comes under attack. Always comes under attack claiming that, oh, that that just lets people free to go sin, whatever, they can just do whatever they want to. They don't have to worry about everything there. No consequences, just go do whatever you want to. If you preach that message of grace. But I'll tell you what, not true. That's a lie. It's not that kind of message. Paul even said, God forbid. He said, oh, no way. Sin more so grace can be seen more. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. The grace of God, and that is the person of Jesus Christ, has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It says it, or grace, teaches us. Grace is a teacher. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Wow. Grace is a teacher. Yes, it's unmerited favor. Yes, it's giving us something we don't deserve. I know all that, but, but it's a, grace is a teacher who leads us in the path of godliness. Second Peter 1, verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us What? Everything. Everything. If you have everything, how much more do you need? Nothing. Nothing. God has given, as believers, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. It's all there. It's all in us already. He's given it to us. It's a package deal with Jesus. We get everything. We don't have anything more to earn. We don't have anything to prove when we're in Christ. It's all there. And then it says, we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. We have received all of it. Galatians 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified or killed them there. My sinful nature was nailed to the cross, killed, dead, gone. And he has given me, again, his perfect nature. Since we are living by the Spirit, he goes on, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I don't have the power to say no without him. The lion, the power of sin has not been tamed, but has been locked out of our lives. We can stop thinking that it's up to us to tame it because we are totally free from the power of sin. When we're tempted, and we will be, We live in this world, we live in this flesh, we're going to be tempted, we're going to be tested. When we do that, we stand in faith and we simply refuse to respond. We refuse to respond by the power of Christ. And only in him can we say no to sin. I find myself, ever ever find yourself getting fearful and afraid of, of what might happen down the way or down the road in the future? Of course we do. What I say, I say, I have been set free from fear by the power of the cross. I am free in Christ. Mm -hmm. Fear, you have no power over me. This is the way we should respond to those temptations that come. We stand firm and say, I have been set free from that by the power of Christ. I am in him, he is in me, and we will not respond. That's the way I handle. I I just—that's my word. That's my wording. I won't respond to that. Period. I refuse to respond because of who I am. And so, by faith—a matter of faith—that freedom will manifest itself in our everyday lives. We will—we will. That faith that we have and the freedom we have will begin to work its way out into our speech into our attitude, into our relationships. It comes from inside. It doesn't come from something we do from the outside. It comes from in here. By faith, I believe who I am in Christ. And then his presence and his love and his grace will spill out on everyone we meet. They will notice. You, you know, you're supposed to be peculiar people. That doesn't mean weird, <laughs> it means different. Yeah. When we walk into a room, we, don't have to, we should not have to do anything. To just suddenly, whoa, something different about yeah. that person. We're in the midst of all this turmoil and terrible, and you're just standing like, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm in Christ. I'm on a firm foundation. I can't be moved. Not going to move me. No, sir. People start trying to talk to me about politics. I say, no thanks. (laughs) No thanks. I belong to a different kingdom. I'll be involved in this as much as I can be and as much as I need, but I'm not going to let it control my life. Because my kingdom is the kingdom of God. And my king is a loving king. My king is a powerful king, more powerful than any king on earth, right? And we can just go on with that, on on with that. Yeah, yeah. And that freedom will manifest itself. And here's what will happen, and here's what God wants to have happen when we get, begin to really get that freedom from sin, freedom in this life. He wants people to be drawn to him. People to be drawn to him. And Jesus said, you can't come to me unless the Father draws you. And he draws us, church, you're, you're plan A. There's no plan B. We are all plan A to reach this world for Christ, to spread his love, to be, to be the presence of Jesus. That's why, the, that's why the church is called the body of Christ. where are the very presence, the walking, talking presence of Jesus on this earth. You are. Amen.